This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Holly Harrington, General Manager of Taiwan Startup Stadium on the Taiwan Startup Ecosystem. We discuss the mission and the role of Taiwan Startup Stadium with entrepreneurship in Taiwan, the up-and-coming startups, and the nascent investor ecosystem in Taiwan. Hi, Holly. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. And where are you based in? Taipei? Yes, I'm based in Taipei. Yes, and I'm talking to Holly Harrington, General Manager, Taiwan Startup Stadium. And we have met two months back when I was visiting Taiwan with my wife and I wanted to do this interview with Holly because there's a very interesting startup ecosystem booming in Taiwan. So before that, I want to get to know you better. Holly, how do you start your career? Well, actually, it's really funny. I studied political science in college, but by the time I finished, I was really disillusioned with politics in general. So I went into volunteerism, decided to then go abroad and work. I I came to Taiwan to teach for one year. I ended up staying much, much longer and becoming a permanent resident. After I became a permanent resident, then I started doing a lot of marketing and translation, especially content marketing, more for startups than for any other business. So then that's sort of how I got into the startup ecosystem several years ago in Taipei. And when Taiwan Startup Stadium was first just an idea being pitched as a proposal to the government, I met Anita Huang, who is one of our co-founders, and she asked me to come on board during those planning stages. And then I've been part of TSS ever since then. And I think I've gotten through your contact to a common friend, Josh Howitz, who is now reporting for Quartz, right? Yes, yeah. Josh is, uh, let's see, I knew him way back when, when I was working in startups, but I think we met each other on Twitter. Through your career journey from moving to Taiwan and getting involved in the Taiwan Startup Stadium, what are the interesting career lessons you can share with my audience so far? Well, actually, probably the biggest lesson that it took me a very long time to learn just in life in general is that you don't need to settle on one thing that you're interested in. When I was in college, as I said, I studied political science, but actually I had about eight majors by the time I graduated because I just couldn't stick to one thing. My career has been quite similar as in I've done a lot of writing, I've done all different kinds of creative things, marketing and translation, but I've also done music and acting and writing for stage and screen and all of that. It took me many years to realize that that's actually not a a terrible thing, even though people expect you to specialize in life. I think all of those different professional experiences have been able to turn me into a person that is able to see kind of the big picture, able to take on a lot of different things, which is quite a contrast with what people expect, especially like here in Taiwan, you're expected to specialize, focus on one specific topic and be extremely good at that. I would say I'm not extremely good at any one thing, but I know a lot about a lot of things and That's actually been one of the biggest life lessons in general, but I think I was probably at least 30 before I figured out that I didn't have to feel bad about it. So you moved from the U.S. to Taiwan. You have lived in two different cultures. Can you talk a little bit about how the differences in cultures and how do you adjust to the environment here in Taiwan? 
Sure. Actually, one of the biggest issues for me that's been that still even after 12 years causes me trouble is the work environment. Professional culture is quite different between the U.S. and Taiwan. In the U.S., you know, we're Americans are very opinionated. We like to be heard. We like to discuss things. We always want to be able to feel our voice has been heard. And that includes in the workplace. Whereas in Taiwan, Taiwan is very much a top-down culture. So from when you're a child all the way up until you are an employee, you listen to the person who is senior to you, whether it's your parents or your teacher or your boss, and you don't feel comfortable raising issues. And for me, that's been challenging as an employee in Taiwan, where I can be kind of a a troublemaker because I, I have a lot of opinions, but also now managing other people, it can be frustrating because I, I do want to hear opinions and feedback, and I don't always get the honest feedback that I'm I'm looking for because again, culturally in Taiwan, people don't feel comfortable to share anything with their superiors, especially if it's negative. I think that carries throughout the entire like economy throughout Taiwan, both in big tech companies and a little bit in startups. But hopefully, with the startup culture. A lot of people are are starting to change that, so I think that big change hopefully will come, and then we'll start to see a lot more growth. Not that the U.S. is definitely 100% better, but for me, it's been tough to kind of fit in in this top-down culture. And also, that's precisely the reason why you're involved with the. Taiwan startup ecosystem because they need disruptors. So I'm going to get to the main subject of the day, which is Taiwan Startup Stadium and the ecosystem itself. I want to zoom in into Taiwan Startup Stadium first. So can you describe the mission and vision of Taiwan Startup Stadium to my audience? Sure. So Taiwan Startup Stadium was first conceived in 2014 as part of the Head Start program of the National Development Council. And when we were first formed, our entire mission was to internationalize the startup ecosystem in Taiwan. So when we launched in 2015, the idea of you know going global, doing things as internationally as possible was not as prevalent as it is right now. There weren't any programs just focused on internationalizing the ecosystem. So that's been our focus from the very beginning, which is getting Taiwan startups to think bigger, getting them outside of Taiwan into the markets where they have maybe a bigger chance, or even just bringing in more talent and ideas and mentorship and all of that from overseas into Taiwan so that the startups here can get exposed to just bigger ideas and perhaps, you know, I know Singapore has been very successful in this and attracting a lot of overseas people, but Taiwan has always been kind of closed off to that. So when we first started, that's been kind of both inbound and outbound. We've been pushing startups out, but we've been trying to bring in ideas and people that will help our startups grow even faster. What is the role of the Taiwan Startup Stadium within the startup ecosystem itself? Do you actually facilitate programs? Do you help entrepreneurs to go global? What do we actually do there? You know, a lot of people call us an accelerator or an incubator, but we are we're actually neither. We consider ourselves a hub. Our focus is purely to connect startups with resources that they need in order to go global. And that takes a lot of different forms. The most important one is our starting lineup program, which is a free membership program for early stage startups. And as long as they've got a product already under development, even if it's not fully launched, but at least it works, they can join us. And that entitles them to mentorship from, we have more than 60 mentors that work with us and they're based all over the world. 
We have corporate perks from different companies like Amazon Web Services, SendGrid, PipeDrive, all these other discounts from corporates. And then we also provide a lot of training programs. One of them is our accelerator coaching. And that's been part of our value from the very beginning has been helping startups getting into overseas accelerators. So in our accelerator coaching program, we coach startups one-on-one and we help them walk them all the way through the application process right up to the interview stage. And they're applying to programs, you know, in, in all different countries. The biggest target for most of those startups is the U.S. So a lot of them are applying to programs like Techstars and 500 Startups. Some of them are also going into Asia. So, for example, there's some going to China Accelerator and others. And then beyond the accelerator programs, we also do a lot of educational activities, such as our Sell or Die boot camp we had in the spring, where we brought in expert salespeople from all over the world to talk with our startups about how to sell. And we also have our term sheet boot camp, which is teaching startups how to negotiate their first term sheet. And we have a lot of investor partners that come in and help us kind of teach those startups what to look for and how to make sure that they are getting a good deal and also keeping themselves safe. So during my trip here, I have met you and I also have met a couple of different entrepreneurs and investors. I know of an angel investor called Greg Howe and uh, Daniel Lin who runs an uh, accelerator that's actually focused on hardware. So I'm very curious to know, from the inside out, the Taiwan Startup Stadium actually facilitates for local entrepreneurs to go global or to get to get into the other accelerator programs elsewhere. How about outside in then, with entrepreneurs coming from overseas into the Taiwan Startup ecosystem? How does the Taiwan Startup Stadium help them then? If a startup is going to be basing in Taiwan, which by our definition in TSS means that they are building an R&D team in Taiwan, and that's where the product is being built, then they can qualify for our programs just as any other local startup can. And as long as they are basing in Taiwan, R&D is mostly happening, and there is a founder from overseas that qualifies, they can actually apply for the entrepreneur visa now. That launched in 2015, so it's almost two years old now. And if they apply for that entrepreneur visa, then they can bring in up to three co-founders into Taiwan and basically build their business. And after one year, if they meet certain criteria, they can renew for up to two more years. So that means that they're eligible for any other kinds of benefits through the government, just like any other local startup. So, you know, in TSS, we have about 107 member companies right now. And I think there's about five or six that are founded by people who are foreign born. And they come from the U.S. and Canada and a few others from Hong Kong and elsewhere. But, you know, as I said, they qualify for all the same programs. It's just that a lot of them don't think to come to Taiwan in the first place. Usually it takes a while for people to realize it's a great place to start their business. But we are seeing an influx of people not only from you know Western countries, but also from Hong Kong and Singapore as well. The high prices overseas, especially in Hong Kong and Singapore, I think are driving people to Taiwan where they're realizing it's a good place to base your business just because it's, it's a hop, skip and a jump into all different countries. And also the talent here, especially in engineering, is so strong. So for foreign founders coming into Taiwan, it's actually now is a really good time to do it just because the government is very eager to get more international entrepreneurs here. That comes to the discussion on the Taiwan startup ecosystem. Before I begin, I mean, 
The most interesting things about usually every startup ecosystem that connectors that I've talked to is always about geography location. So if I'm someone who enters into the Taiwan startup ecosystem, for example, how do you tell someone to navigate around the startup ecosystem? For example, I've been to the Taiwan startup stadium to see you, which is in Sintran. Are there any like areas or places where people can actually aggregate it together or conferences that would actually bring them together to meet the people within that ecosystem? Oh, well, there's actually, in terms of geographical space, I would say there's lots of pockets throughout the city where there are startups that are located near each other. But the biggest way to get involved with the ecosystem is actually through events. One way of checking that out is, well, I also curate the Startup Digest for Taipei. There's all kinds of meetups for every possible coding language. There's also lots of meetups for UI and UX designers. There's also some for international entrepreneurs specifically for them to meet up and even find co-founders and network with each other. And also, you know, when Taiwan Startup Stadium has events, we always try to make them as open and, you know, accessible to as many people as possible. One important thing to note about our events anyway is that they're all in English. We don't run any programs that are in Mandarin because, again, we want to kind of practice what we preach and make sure that things are as international as possible. So when people come into Taiwan, we've had people tell us that they didn't realize that. They didn't expect that it would be in English. So they didn't, they didn't feel welcome until they got there and they realized, actually, it's a great place for international people. So there's all kinds of activities going on all the time. There's also a lot of larger activities. So just in May, we had Innovex, which is part of Computex, the three-day exhibition for startups. In the fall, in November, there's always Meet Taipei during Startup Week. And throughout the year, there's a lot of different forums, including the Knowing Forum, which will be held. The next one will be held in August. So there's there's things going on constantly. And luckily, we're starting to attract more and more international speakers and investors coming into town that are sharing their knowledge with startups as well. And also, you also have very notable alumni who are in Silicon Valley, for example, Jerry Yang. And I guess uh, Lee Kai-Fu from um, the Innovation Works on Narcos Sino Ventures also came from Taiwan as well. Uh, there is a lot of interaction even with the Silicon Valley crowd, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. A lot of our mentors actually are either they're Taiwanese-American or they're Taiwanese-born somewhere else or that they were born in Taiwan and moved abroad. So like you mentioned with Jerry Yang, but there's also others like Steve Chen from YouTube and Rich, who you know is one of the earliest and most famous startup founders in Taiwan because he started, you know, the, the earliest blogging platform. And people like Charles Huang and his brother Kai Huang, who created Guitar Hero, they are also dedicated to helping Taiwan startups kind of to give back to the people from Taiwan. So every time they come into Taiwan, they always are willing to give talks and do one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And then when we travel abroad, they're also happy to meet with our startups or if they're startups that are going to Silicon Valley, you know, it's very, very easy for us to help them get introduced to people because our local mentors are so enthusiastic about helping other Taiwanese. Which are the interesting startups at the moment in Taiwan? Oh, there's a, a lot, actually. But I guess since TSS focuses a lot on early stage startups, I'll mention a few of those. One of the startups is called Glia Cloud, and basically they do AI generated videos. So you do you know, you have a text article, they can generate a video within seconds based on that text. And now they're also moving into commerce. So let's say you have an e-commerce platform, you have all these products, 
with all the information about your products, they can generate videos of those products, including, you know, their pricing and all of the different photos and everything. But they can also generate, you know, a hundred different videos, which will help you with A-B testing. And in general, that's extremely scalable. So they're doing quite well. And another team is called Trip Plus. They were just accepted into 500 Startups Mountain View, and they started, I believe, in early May. And what they do is they help you to, let's say you're somebody that, that doesn't travel a whole lot and doesn't understand how to use airline and hotel points. They help you to optimize your purchases to make sure that you are getting the most points for your dollars and also to figure out how to use those points. And we've actually, in TSS, we've worked with them for a little over a year, but they only launched paid services maybe nine months ago, and they've just been growing steadily month over month. And now they're in 500 startups, so we're quite proud of those guys. And another one, since we talked about the entrepreneur visa, is called Vector. Vector has been around in Taiwan for almost two years, and the CEO, Nick Budden, he's one of the first founders to get that entrepreneur visa. Nick is Canadian, has an American co-founder. They moved their business to Taiwan from Silicon Valley. So they were originally based there, but decided to relocate to Taiwan, where there's a lot of talent here. And they've been growing strong ever since. What they're building is a, basically a cloud-based vector graphic software, and they continually get uh, noticed by a lot of different tech media and also design-based media. So it's really cool to see them. They also, last year at Slush in Tokyo, were one of the top five teams in the pitch competition there, representing Taiwan because they are a, you know, they identify as a Taiwan startup. There's a lot of different types of startups happening here, but probably what you'll notice is these that I mentioned, they are all software-based. We do have a lot of IoT startups that are starting as well. One of them is called Alchema, which is a home brewing device where you can basically create mead and cider and wine just on your countertop using this IoT device. And last year, Kickstarter, they raised over 300,000 US dollars and they're planning to ship within the next several months. But they've been getting a lot of media coverage all over the world just because I think everybody likes the idea of being able to make your own alcohol. <laughs> and also Gogoro, which is an electric scooter that's supposedly the Tesla for motorcycles as well, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, they're everywhere now. <laughs> I thought it would be interesting to talk about what are the verticals that the Taiwan startup ecosystem are unique for. I mean, for one, from an external observer, one of them is definitely hardware for me because my wife manufactures her products in Taiwan. And for me, even as a technologist, I, one thing that I do observe is that, that you have very, very good entry engineers in both hardware and software and the cost to actually maintain these engineers are actually not very high in, in Taiwan in terms of the labor cost. So tell me about what are the verticals that the Taiwan startup ecosystem are unique for then? Okay, you know, it's funny because on the outside and also, you know, the government likes to talk a lot about hardware. We've actually within TSS seen fewer and fewer IoT companies in the last year or half a year to a year. In part, I think because these days, it's getting harder to raise money online through Kickstarter and other things because people, maybe they're starting to get, maybe they're not as excited about backing things online because there's been too many disappointments or whatever. And it's very hard to raise money if you're a hardware company. However, Taiwan is drawing a lot of overseas founders into Taiwan who are getting their products made here because they really trust Taiwan as a place where you can do everything from end to end. 
from the prototyping all the way up to your first small batch, which is what a big challenge for a lot of startups, especially if they don't know how to navigate, especially the hardware ecosystem within China. They're choosing Taiwan because it's so small here. People are very friendly. Everyone knows each other. People really have come to trust that you can get your, your first product made here. We do have some IoT companies coming up that are not yet out, as I mentioned, like Alchema. But recently we also had, for example, Flux, which is the 3D printer, which actually raised quite a lot of money online. But beyond IoT, there's a lot of other verticals that we're seeing more and more of these days. One of the, the areas that's really interesting is travel. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, feel that travel tech is sort of over, that there's not much more to do in travel. Every, you know, we've got Airbnb and we've got Expedia and Priceline and all of that. But for example, we've got Hello Wings, which helps you to connect with low cost carriers, which usually don't show up. You know, the airline, if you want to search for flight tickets, usually those those low cost carriers do not show up in the searches on the major search engines. And then there's also things like Add We Up, which is helping solve the problem of leftover currency when you're traveling. You know, what do you do with that extra change when you've gone to Japan and you're not going to come back? And then there's, as I said, Trip Plus. There's another company called Pointamize, which is doing a similar thing, but for people who are frequent travelers who have a lot of points and don't know what to do with them. So travel is one of those areas. Another is in VR and AR. For example, Lyra VR is building a music creation platform in VR that has been winning a lot of awards and getting a lot of recognition worldwide. There's also another cool company called Pi Square, which is helping especially the VR industry, they're not building a VR product, but what they do is they help to increase rendering speeds for animation about a thousand times faster. So that way people that are creating these VR experiences can see their creations in real time. And that saves these companies loads and loads of money and time. So those two areas are pretty strong. And then we also have health tech. So example, health to sync is a platform for helping diabetes management. And I only learned this through them is that actually diabetes is a pretty big problem within Asia and also the Middle East. So they have a big opportunity there because it's a it's a global problem, diabetes. So these are, as I said, IoT is the thing that everybody sort of knows Taiwan for. But the software side growing even faster, the variety of ideas coming out of Taiwan startups is also really expanding. And I'm really pleased to see that because it's it means that the startups are thinking more for a global audience, not just for you know, something that's easy to make locally. I would just want to add one thing to say that I'm very impressed by the Taiwanese engineers. Not just they just have the quality control of a Japanese hardware or software firms, and they also have very good customer service as well. And working with them has been one of the greatest experiences I have, even privately. So very curious to know when there are entrepreneurs, there are also investors. Who are the key angel investors and venture capital firms who are currently involved in the Taiwan startup ecosystem? Well, a lot of the startups that are just coming up in early stages, they are getting investment from VC firms that have offices overseas or they're based overseas, but have an, a local Taipei or Taiwan branch. And that includes organizations like Infinity Venture Partners, which is a Japanese firm, but they've actually done a lot of activity in Taiwan, including they previously had invested in, you know, some of the bigger companies like KKBox, as well as Seventeen, which was acquired by Pactor last year. And then there's also Cherubic Ventures, which has invested in Hahao, which is a learning platform for learning 
basically anyone can teach something online. And then there's also WI Harper, which is extremely active in Taiwan. And they have invested in companies like Code Mentor, which is teaching or getting people connected with mentors for people that are trying to learn to code, as well as Bitmark, which is a blockchain-based IP asset protection platform. These firms have been Basically, every time you go to any kind of event in Taipei, you will see that these investors are there. They are also starting to scout more and more throughout the country. So getting down into Taichung and Kaohsiung as well, we're starting to see more investment activity there as well. The biggest thing is that we don't have enough angels. We do have a lot of former startup founders. Maybe they've been acquired or you know they've seen a certain amount of success. So they're doing some small angel investments here and there. But in terms of angel investing, the ecosystem is not very strong there just yet. In part, I think it's because, you know, investors, they don't actually know enough about how startups work. We do have people come to TSS telling us they would like to invest, but it's very clear that they don't know exactly what kind of risk that means. They've never seen a term sheet themselves, so they don't actually know kind of what they're getting themselves into and so we try to connect them with other investors to kind of teach them the ropes. And hopefully over time, we'll start seeing more educated investors locally. So one interesting thing is that other than Taipei, there is Taichung and Xinchu. Xinchu is the home of the, one of the most biggest semiconductor companies, uh, TSMC. And of course, in Taipei, there's Foxconn. And in Taichung, you have a very big congregation of uh, small, medium enterprises, which actually shaped most of Taiwan's economy. So the successful Taiwanese companies such as Foxconn, TSMC, HTC, MSL, Acer work with the ecosystem these days? I would say not enough. I think that a lot of the larger companies, they do want to actually work with startups and they are trying to help in certain ways, such as through programs, helping them do prototyping more quickly. And some of them are trying to invest. But I have heard from startups that working with these bigger companies is quite tough because their corporates, they don't all understand how startups work exactly. So they sort of expect the startups to behave like corporates meaning they are expected to have results very quickly, efficiently. In corporates, everything is very, very organized and less experimental. Whereas, you know, you've got these startup founders who have never run a business before, who are building technologies that aren't proven yet. And so it's hard for them to work with the corporates. I will say that the global corporates that have offices in Taiwan have been very active in the ecosystem. So that includes Facebook with the FB Start program. Microsoft BizSpark has a lot of different programs for startups, as well as Google and others that, you know, they really want to connect with the startup ecosystem here because, you know, they recognize that engineering talent and they can recognize that the startups here may be building things that are going to grow into big companies. So, of course, you know, these these corporates, including Amazon, you know, AWS, they work out of Hong Kong, but they come to Taiwan quite frequently to help developers to build upon what they are doing. Instead of trying to take that technology, they're trying to provide resources to the startups. The local corporates could really learn a lot from these global corporates in how patient they are with the startup, as in trying to be more of a guide than trying to control and maybe try. I worry about the corporates trying to turn startups into corporates and having those wrong expectations. Because, of course, we don't need another generation of these top-down management styles, and we need a lot more innovation. So if the corporates can kind of be mentors as opposed to trying to tell the startups exactly what to do, that would be really great. And that's where the those global corporates really come in. 
My penultimate question would be, what are the key challenges you see in the startup ecosystem today and where would you see in a year's time? Well, I would say, as I just said about in angel investors, that's one area where we do need a lot more help, I guess, in terms of investors teaching each other best practices and understanding you know, the risk involved in investing in startups. There's not a way really for investors who want to get started to learn how to invest. So that's one area where our ecosystem could definitely use a lot more improvement. Another is talent. And although we've been talking about how Taiwan is full of awesome engineering talent. One of the things we are lacking, though, is business talent. And that's it's kind of the opposite problem of, say, Singapore and Hong Kong, where Singapore and Hong Kong have loads and loads of business people who know exactly how to make money. In Taiwan, we have lots and lots of engineers who know how to build great products. But the problem is that they don't know how to sell them necessarily or don't know how to do the market research that will make sure that they're building products that people need. One of the ways that we're trying to work on that problem, again, is by drawing in talent from overseas. And startups that have international co-founders within them, they do seem to do pretty well. But, you know, we always need more and more business talent. And then for the long term, education is really the thing that needs to improve within Taiwan. But again, that's something that takes quite a long time. Business education in general is quite separate from everything else. As you grow up in Taiwan, you don't really learn a lot about entrepreneurship. You learn subjects, you learn how to study and take tests. And then you go into college, you focus on one specific topic, you become very good at that. That means a lot of the engineers who are building these companies, they don't actually have the skills that they need that maybe if the education was more comprehensive all the way through from you know kindergarten all the way through college, including these business skills, then perhaps they would be a little bit more successful. I do feel very strongly that within the next year, we'll see a lot more internationalization of Taiwan. It's already happened over the last two years with TSS. We've seen a lot more international interest in the ecosystem. We have more and more people coming to visit TSS is sort of like an embassy for, for the startup world. So people coming from other countries, other governments, they're always coming to us to find out what kind of talents we have here and provide more and more resources. So I do think that over the next year, we're going to see more and more growth. And as I said, because we've seen interest from people coming in from Hong Kong and Singapore and other places, that Taiwan is sort of, I guess, the secret is starting to get out. More and more people are coming here, not just to access it as a market, but they are coming here to set up their businesses because it's it's a good place to get started, not just to expand to. So I, I'm pretty hopeful for the next uh, year or so. And I think that we'll see more investment activity along with that and more stars. Like you mentioned, Gogoro is kind of a, a big star because they started out with a lot of money because they have experienced founders. But I think we'll start seeing some of those younger younger startups seeing more success and people will really start to take notice of Taiwan. So Holly, thank you so much for coming on the show to share with me this first glimpse of what the Taiwan startup ecosystem is like. And I'm definitely getting you back again on my show to talk more about the developments. So help my audience, how do they find you? Uh, lots of ways. I'm quite active on Twitter. So you can find me at TaiSpy, T-A-I-S-P-Y. But also if you're interested in Taiwan startups in general or looking to kind of set up your company in Taiwan or want to invest in any of these startups, then you can find us at startupstadium.tw and check out all of our startups there. 
We also have a lot of online social media on Twitter, Facebook, all of that. There's always something new coming up. So I hope people will definitely get in touch with us. And I'll definitely put the social media links for Taiwan Startup Stadium on my show notes as well. You can find me at blangcw at bernalang.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia A-N-A-L-Y-S-E on Twitter. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and tune in. Of course, Google Play in the US market. Tweet to us, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, and of course, give me your big feedback. And once again, Holly, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.